0: And welcome back to the podcast. I'm Becca Freeman.
1: And I'm Olivia Mentor.
0: And today we are talking all about creativity. We had said in our last three things episode that we were thinking about doing a listener voicemail episode about definitions of success and and how they've changed. And one lovely person sent us a voicemail and we didn't really get much engagement on that topic. And so I guess tell us if you still want to hear that. But we decided to pivot instead and to talk about creativity which I feel like is very apt given our July book club pick conversation.
1: Yeah. And I feel like most readers have some sort of creativity in them or enjoy creativity. So I feel like it'll appeal to a lot of people.
0: I'm excited to chat about it. It's something that I feel a lot about, but don't talk a lot about or think a lot about too.
1: Yeah. I think it'll be a really good conversation.
0: I hope so. I don't know if I'm going to be very articulate about it. It's not something that I've expressed.
1: Well, that makes it more exciting, I think.
0: Fresh feelings. You heard
1: it here first. Becca's feelings. Oh my gosh.
0: We just spent like 30 minutes before (laughs) recording where (laughs) Olivia literally had to sit there while I unloaded on her.
1: I'm happy to. I'm happy to. Okay, but what's your high? Share with the group, the
0: class. (laughs) Oh, yes. Okay, so my high is last weekend, we had this, me and four of my friends had this Red Hook day. And so Red Hook is a neighborhood in Brooklyn, it's where the Ikea is. It's kind of in the more southern part of Brooklyn. There's not really good subway access. So three of my friends have been doing this. They have this like annual tradition. And, and me and another friend got brought into it this year. So we went to the Red Hook Winery, which is a uh, Brooklyn winery.
1: You took the ferry?
0: We took the ferry, yeah. It was my first ferry journey. I've tried to take the ferry multiple times and failed because I've gotten there right as it's pulling away in the next it's like every 30 minutes so i'm like well i'm not waiting
1: (laughs) it was was meant to be this time
0: yeah yeah so i i popped my fairy cherry we went to red hook we went to red hook winery to have some brooklyn wine and if you're thinking wow i've never heard of brooklyn wine was it any good the answer is no it was the (laughs) worst wine i've ever tasted
1: Do they, are they growing the grapes like on some, like on the Ikea rooftop? Like where is, where is this happening?
0: So the grapes are coming from the North Fork of Long Island. Right. But then they are making the wine, doing the turning the grapes thing here in Brooklyn. You can tell Mm -hmm. I know a lot about winemaking. It's really interesting because you do a tasting and they talk about it really seriously And I'm like, do you think this is good? Do you know? What
1: makes it bad? I don't consider myself someone who knows a lot about wine. Sure. Describe the worst one.
0: You would know. (laughs) You, You would be able to taste this and be like, wow. Just very sweet? No, it was not sweet. That was not the problem with any of them.
1: Oh, that's kind of more alarming, actually.
0: Yeah, like, there was a white wine that, like, I don't even know how to describe what it tasted like, but it wasn't pleasant. It was, like,
1: Mm. chemicals? Nice. That's always nice.
0: Yeah, you were like, hmm. (laughs) Um, And then there was a rosé, which we we should have known by the color. It was, like, hot pink.
1: Right. Not great. Um, Like a Zinfandel situation.
0: Yeah. And it was, it tasted uh, it had an aftertaste to it. Um it was like kind of like melted candy, but then with like a weird oh. foot aftertaste. It was
1: <laughs> bad.
0: It was bad. It was so fun. You know, it's one of those things where you go and you have like right. a common and they they went in knowing that it was bad, my friends who do this every year. It's not it's not like this is a particularly off year, but it's yeah. like fun to do something terrible. Or that then you, you're you all, like, bonded in this common misery. Right.
1: It's like medieval times.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we we did that, and then we went over to Brooklyn Crab, which is really fun. Have you ever been to Brooklyn Crab? No. It's like this w- weird restaurant that I feel like should exist in a beach town. Like, if it were in Dewey Beach, Delaware, you would be like, yes, this makes sense. It's like this multi-floor seafood shanty. They serve buckets of crab. Um, there's a big, like, tiki bar scene. Um, it looked very fun. It was very fun. So we went there after. I love crab. So I was in heaven. I was like, we're not just going for drinks, right? Like, we're getting crab.
1: <laughs> I mean, you've got to go if you're just want to make crab. sure we're eating
0: crab. And my friends were like, calm down. I'm like, we'll get crab.
1: They have crab available at the local yeah. crab.
0: Good. Um, Good to know. It was so fun. It was just like, it felt like having a tourist day, like an adventure in my own city.
1: Oh, Well, you've wanted, you wanted summer adventures. So I'm glad. This
0: was a great summer adventure. Yeah. What about you? What's your high? Uh,
1: My high is that I am in Seabrook Island where my parents live in South Carolina. It's like 30 minutes from downtown Charleston, I guess. Um, So I have just been here. My brother was visiting from, he lives in New Orleans now. So he was up from New Orleans and um, yeah, I've, I've mostly been working. So I, <laughs> I they have like um, a Oceanside restaurant bar with like an, an incredible amount of fans blowing. Just great cross breeze. So every day I just like have been going over there with my laptop and working all day.
0: It looks fantastic. It looks like the life.
1: It is very nice. People are confused, I think, because they're like, where are you on vacation? I'm like, I'm not really on vacation, but I kind of am, but I'm working. So it's been good. It's just been good to be with family and hang out.
0: That's great. What about yeah. on the low front?
1: Um, The low is that, so Jake and I are on kind of like journey. So we're here and then we're going to Florida to visit his family and then we're going to leave the dog with his parents and then go on vacation to Mexico. Actually, I'm going well, you're first going to go two on a vacations girl's to trip. Yeah, I'm going first to go on a girl's trip for a few days. And then Jake's meeting me there. And then we're staying for longer. But it's our first, like, really vacation of the year. We went to Denver for, like, 48 hours. But that wasn't really a vacation. This is, like, our first, like, relaxation vacation this year. I, I'm very, like, ritualistic about vacation. Like, I like to have everything in its little order when I go like my house is clean my bills are paid my nails are done my hair is done like everything is just as it should be there's absolutely not a stitch of work to be done and this year it's just not happening like I am exiting my normal life for relaxation in a state of total chaos like (laughs) nothing is as it should be what's chaotic
0: Your nails look good. I can see you. I can see you waving around that you have painted (laughs) nails.
1: (laughs) Yes, I do. I went, I went, got my nails done the other day here. I'm getting my hair done next week, but I just, I really wanted to like leave upstate New York and just feel like I can just chill for the next three weeks and, or at least when we're in Mexico, I wasn't ever going to take off for the whole three weeks, but I just feel like, I don't know. I just feel like things aren't as done. Like there was a point where I was like, I'm going to. Have this room in the house done before we go to Mexico, and I'm going to have this done, and this is going to be done for work, and I'm going to have this prepped, and I'm going to pre-write all of these newsletters, and I just, I dropped the ball, but I am very excited to relax. I just hope that like it feels as satisfying if I don't feel as accomplished.
0: Mm, Are you gonna? Are you afraid that you're going to keep thinking about the things that you left undone? Okay.
1: Yeah, I think so. Not like. Cosmetic things, obviously, but I'm just worried that I don't know, it won't be as relaxing as it usually is. But hopefully, I can really unplug and just kind of let myself chill a little bit. But
0: now, at the place you're going in Mexico, it's all inclusive. Does that include drinks? Oh, yes. I was (laughs) going to say, maybe you can just get yourself to a level of like perma (laughs) pina colada buzz that it doesn't matter.
1: Yeah, I think so. I plan to be reading and drinking pretty much the entire time nonstop. So Stay tuned for that very riveting content coming from
0: me. Can't wait. Can't <laughs> want to see your vacation outfits?
1: Oh, thanks. I do have quite a few fun ones. I will Can't say. Can't wait. What's your low?
0: I don't know that I have a low. I have an update on a low, which is that my back is is like 95% better. It's still a little twingy, but oh, it has healed naturally. So, nice. I'm really thrilled. I don't I no longer watch TV. And like gaze aspirationally at the people who are sitting in chairs and being like, "Oh, remember that?" So um, that's, that's good. good. I was watching Very TV and I was like, "Oh my God, look how look how easily they get up!
1: <laughs> They're springing around. They're so
0: spry." So <laughs> I'm grateful that that is not on my low list right now.
1: Fast recovery. Love to see it.
0: It was like two and a half weeks. So I wouldn't call it <laughs> alarmingly fast. Well.
1: I've had back issues linger, so I'm just glad oh, that okay. it's you know, not like a months-long thing for you.
0: I'm glad, too. Let's get into this this discussion. Olivia, Let's... I will let you guide us. You made a lovely outline. It, I oh. told you before, I was like, this is much more thoughtful than I would have done. I feel like you're more thoughtful than I am in general.
1: <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I overthink a lot. Does that count?
0: Yeah. but That's the plus side. I thought it could just be a, a
1: free-flowing conversation in the spirit of creativity if you will.
0: <laughs> Let's
1: just kick things off to like get a baseline. Tell us about your relationship with creativity because I know you said that you didn't consider yourself a creative person. I feel like we've been over that. Like growing up, do, was there just no like interest in creative things, do you think? Or no sort no. of encouragement of them? Or how, how how's that been?
0: No, not at all. Okay. I was going to say, I don't feel like I have. I feel like I've already recently talked about this, but now that you're <laughs> you're asking me direct questions, I'm like, oh, no. I've misrepresented this. So I was a very creative child. I was an only child. And I feel like I was very into drawing, dancing. I guess those were my main creative creative outlets as a kid. Like very crafty. I was very into like friendship bracelets. Making friendship bracelets was like a huge thing for me. Um, like when I went to camp, I definitely was like more arts and crafts than I was like sports for sure. Yeah. Um, like I remember always having sleepovers and having like drawing contests. I, I did always want there to be a winning <laughs> or like some kind of judgment along with the creativity. And like a competitive trying to- creative competitive, spirit is yes. you. <laughs> yes. And trying to get my mom to judge me and my friends' drawings <laughs> to be like which is better. <laughs>
1: that's fair that checks out
0: yeah so I did I did have a pretty creative childhood I danced through high school like ballet tap and jazz oh that's cool yeah yeah so I was I don't know that I was like exceptionally good at it but I like really enjoyed that I, I consider that like a blend of physical and creative yeah and then when creative things started to become part of school, like, I I really enjoyed it. Like, I loved art class. Like, I tried out for plays in middle school. I always got, like, very small parts that were, like, <laughs> non-speaking because I, again, was not very talented. Um, like, I remember being in the chorus. I remember feeling slighted that I did not get the solo for on my own, <laughs> um, even though. I- so you like to sing then? I don't know. I don't know if I liked it. I, like, I wanted to be good at it, but I wasn't. I don't know. I, I tend I like to not like, like things like, that I'm not good at, you know? Like, <laughs> I definitely do have a competitive spirit. And so, like, I feel like I really enjoyed these things. And then I I kind of gave them up. Like, once these types of things became optional in high school. Like I didn't continue taking art classes past the point where I had to. Like I wasn't the person who was the best at it in class. And so I was just like, oh, I'm good at these other things. I'll do these other things. Um, And then when I went to college, like there was no part of me that, there was no part of me that entertained that I could or would be suited to do anything creative as a career. And so, like, Mm -hmm. I just kind of, like, gave these things up. And when I graduated from college, I went into consulting, which is, like, the least, like, traditional management consulting, like, the least creative job you can have. Um, And it's funny because, like, I do think that even though I thought of myself as a non-creative person, like I think creative things leaked in. Like I remember when I was working at that job in consulting, I decided that I really wanted to learn how to sew. And I bought a sewing machine and I like got really into trying to learn how to sew.
1: Oh yeah. And you knit, right? Or you you, you have, yeah, knit. have knit. Yeah.
0: I have knit. Yeah. And so I would always have these like creative side hobbies. Like I got into photography and I bought like one of those DSLR cameras at one point. Like I always had these like creative side projects. And I've like said it before on the podcast And I'm a little bit of a slut for hobbies, so I don't really stick with them. But like the hobbies that I was picking up were always creative in nature. Like I was never like, I'm going to learn to play tennis. It was always like, oh, I'm going to make something. Yeah. And like my friends will all attest to that. Like, I am never more excited than when some type of like craft activity outing plan is suggested. Like I went to Color Me Mine earlier this year. I lost my mind. I was so excited about going to Color Me Mine.
1: Was your painting, I think it's painting, right?
0: It's pottery it's, painting.
1: Oh, pottery painting. Yes. Was it better than all of the others? Do you-
0: <laughs> well, you know, I haven't Did you actually, win first place? I haven't actually seen it. I did get a lot of compliments on what a good job I was right. doing. Yeah. I haven't seen it since it, it has been fired because my friend Sarah went to pick them up and she keeps forgetting to bring them to me when I see her. So, right now, it just lives in my mind as a perfect a perfect bowl.
1: Oh, that's <laughs> I'm sure it is a perfect I bowl seen it. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, so I like I've always i think had like this like simmering level of creativity in me. I definitely have a toxic trait of wanting to be the best or wanting to be like make it into a competition. Yeah. And then it kind of bridges into the story that I was telling a couple times ago on three things where it's like, I'll I'll just tell you the quickest version where I like, until I started this podcast, I didn't conceive of myself as creative. And then I did rom-com pods kind of as a lark during the pandemic. And like that gave me enough confidence doing it a few times to be like, oh, I could write a book. And so I think all these things have been festering inside of me. I just didn't have the self-awareness, didn't have the confidence, didn't have the right frame of mind because I want them all to be competitive. So (laughs) it's always existed. It's just been like suppressed maybe. Right. Yeah. What about you? What were you like as a child creativity-wise? Because I feel like I just picture you... Oh, I picture you journaling a lot. Do you consider journaling creative?
1: Yeah, definitely. Okay. Definitely. I mean, I think that I was always... I wouldn't have considered myself like an artsy kid at all. I think I was always drawn towards like creative things. Like I would definitely rather do arts and crafts than like a sports thing, even though I did play sports all through high school, basketball. I don't know. It was funny when you were talking about the choir thing because I was in choir too. I've always loved music, but I feel like there's this age – no matter what your level of talent, where everyone thinks like maybe I could be a famous singer. Yes, so, like, absolutely. Where you'd, like where you like you like record yourself singing something, yep. like play it back, and you'd be like, oh, "That's pretty good."
0: <laughs> you're like just I waiting think, to get plucked out of like the masses, where you're like, "They'll notice."
1: Yeah, you're like, "I think it might be my my time to shine." Yeah, I don't know, but like I took piano lessons, never stuck with them. I did figure skating, didn't stick with figure that. Figure skating. Oh that's yeah, that's cool. Yeah. And I wrote, but yeah, I wouldn't have thought of myself as like, I don't know. I think I was like very good at English. I was, I was very good at history and stuff like that. Science and math were never for me, but I wasn't like, I was never good at drawing. I like doodling and like coloring and stuff, but I was never like, I could never draw a picture of someone's face or something. Mm-hmm. So I was never like traditionally good at like the art class things, yeah, I yeah, guess. Yeah. I also wasn't and I've been thinking about this a lot lately, like I wasn't sitting in my room, like writing stories, you know, like I was journaling, but it was about like day to day stuff. It was about (laughs) your
0: feelings. Like it was centered on you. Right. Exactly. Self-examination centric, not like, yeah, I'm going to write the next great American novel.
1: Yeah. I wasn't like penning Harry Potter in my, (laughs) in Mm -hmm. my childhood bedroom. So I think that's part of the reason why, like creative writing always seems like a bit of a stretch for me because I was like, well, I know I'm good at these things, but not in that artistic kind of way. I'm good at the more like practical application of this. Um, and so I think I would have always considered myself creative, but not artistic.
0: Oh, okay.
1: I, which I don't really think now. Well, I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't call myself artistic, but like I'm drawn towards what art. What do you think
0: the differences between creativity? And being creative and artistic.
1: Oh, that's a good, that's a good question. I Because I, I feel, feel like,
0: like I almost innately know what you mean, but if you're, like, yeah. put words to it, I couldn't. Yeah, like, I consider
1: artistic, like, artsy. Like, you can, you're, you're like just wearing
0: have- a black beret and you're like, <laughs> this is, yes. this is the external manifestation of my soul
1: yeah you're like very crunchy you're serious
0: (laughs) about it
1: yeah exactly like you can just sort of like sketch something and it like makes sense whereas like I feel like creativity to me is like putting a feeling in a different form like putting Mm. feelings in a different form and I feel like that can be a million different things and artistic is more like I don't know yeah like you said I don't know there's more of a of like a a person that is, is artsy, I mm. guess, a box to fit into.
0: Okay. So then you you went to college and you majored in journalism. Did you have to take any creative writing classes as part of that? Or no, they were totally separate.
1: No, I, I didn't. But then when I studied abroad, I ended up doing a creative writing class just for like a – I needed a credit or something. And I think it was the first time that I like had permission to write about something that was just made up. And so I can, like, vividly remember where I was when I was doing these assignments. And What did you write about? Um, it was just about a really weird guy <laughs> who was, like, very obsessed with numbers. I, I don't know. It was inspired by something. It was probably, like, plagiarism at a certain level. But, like, I just it, – it didn't really have a story. It was just kind of, like, this person who was really into numbers, which is ironic because I really don't like numbers. But I just remember sitting down and being like, that was really fun. Then I just was like, well, I guess I'll never do that again. Like, I feel like I had to have, like, an assignment. I had to have a reason I was doing it. I had to have, like, a grade I was getting in association with that. I got an A. So I
0: had to win and you had to be told to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Welcome to our creative advice. Well, I
1: felt like I needed permission to do it because I wasn't like the type of person who fit into that box otherwise you know like I wasn't creative in that way I guess I don't know I was just so used to doing things for getting a grade or getting a GPA or getting a job that it was just a different kind of thing for me just to do something for the sake of doing it I think maybe that's why I've never been like as artsy or as creative as I would have liked to been, because I don't think I had any framework for doing something just to do it, if that makes sense.
0: So then how how did you mentally make the leap from journalism and writing professionally about nonfiction things to then wanting to write a fiction book? Like, how did that connect?
1: Well, I think I just kind of ran out of material um, (laughs) or I thought I was going to. I was like, I can only write about myself for so long.
0: I think another part of me was like, it's like the Taylor Swift thing where you're like, I've revealed as much as I want to reveal. (laughs) And so now I have to start making it up and like putting my shit into other people.
1: Exactly. That's exactly it. And I also think something about writing about yourself a lot and being very vulnerable in that way is like you get a lot more brave to just do whatever (laughs) because you're like well I've already put my deepest feelings out here into the world like I can do this other thing now but what about you how did you get from competitive pottery painter I mean I I (laughs) to published author
0: I think it is that I think I owe a lot to rom-com pods that I did this as a lark in a time when the world was shut down. I didn't have social plans. I had a lot of anxiety to deal with. And we wrote this script and I really enjoyed doing it. And then people appreciated the final product. And so I think it was like the combination of creativity and community Mm -hmm. of like, creating something for other people to consume and them enjoying it and it like becoming a conversation. I've talked about this. Like, I don't know. Like You've said like if I was on a desert island, I would be writing. And I'm like, I don't know if I wouldn't be because I think so much of it is about the community aspect as well. And I think yeah. also just like I have been a lifelong reader. Like there has not been a time in my life that I haven't been a reader. Like I read fiction as a kid in high school, during college, right after college, like I remember this super weird time in my early 20s where I'd gotten laid off from my job and I decided that I was going to read all the Game of Thrones books that summer. Like I have (laughs) always been a reader. And so there's something about that experience that I find so pleasurable consuming other people's creativity that it's like almost feels like a natural extension to be like, I want to do this. I want to make my own thing.
1: Yeah that makes a lot of sense. What is a way that you, do you prioritize being creative in your life, I guess, right now, other than writing?
0: Hmm. I mean, yes, but only as a means to like open up that creative flow for writing. Right. So I feel like listening to music for me is like something that I find like really inspirational or like going on Pinterest and like making mood boards for ideas or things like that. But it like it all is right now to like open the tap for writing. Like I feel like that's like my main creative outlet. What about you? Do you have other creative outlets in your day-to-day life outside of writing? I mean, invite me to Color Me Mine anytime. Like I would love (laughs) that to be a daily creative outlet. It would be a
1: battle to the death. no' I'm just
0: kidding. I'm thinking about getting like a part-time job there so I could do it every day. I'd be so happy. <laughs> um I mean, I feel like
1: reading is kind of I don't it's weird because it's more like inspiration as you were saying than like actual creativity, but it feels very important to me as, a creative person or someone who hopes to create things. And when I don't read every day, I notice a difference in how my brain works for sure. I agree. But with that. I, yeah, yeah. It's, it's the best, isn't it? But the other thing I would say is I feel like I don't really do a great job of this right now, but I love like spaces and furniture and colors and stuff like that. So with the house and with like interior design in general, like I feel very inspired and creative when planning spaces or even just thinking of them in my brain, even if like they'll never look quite that way in real life. So I feel like that that's all creative. Working on the house is always creative if it's not killing me. But yeah, those are some ways.
0: Well, you also have your like, I don't know what you call it, your scrapbook journal.
1: Oh, yeah. My little,
0: I don't know what to call
1: it. (laughs) Yeah. I highly suggest that everyone do this, by the way. I haven't been the best this year about keeping up with it, but I find a lot of inspiration on Instagram, actually, like Pinterest or something, you know, just images I like or like poems I like. And I post them or I save them, but then they just kind of like go away. So the journal is a good way for me to like copy down these things that I really like. Or um, like I printed out uh, Cheryl Strayed's um, The Ghost Ship That Carried Me because I loved that essay so much so I can just return to it um, and it doesn't just like disappear. But yeah, it's a little creativity scrapbook. Highly suggest everyone do it. It's very fun.
0: I love that. So wait, when you're not creative for long stretches of time, when you said when you're not reading, it affects how you feel. But like when you're not producing something, I guess I'm asking writing or working in the scrapbook or like working on your house. Does it change how you feel?
1: I yes, I think so. If I'm not writing every day, I feel very different. Like- if if I'm in my normal life, like I'm not on vacation or something and I'm not writing every day, I just feel worse. <laughs> hmm. I don't know. Like I feel very detached from some part of myself.
0: Interesting.
1: Like it's not like I necessarily miss it, but maybe I do. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I will just say I don't feel totally – not that I don't feel totally like myself. I don't feel like my best self.
0: Okay. I guess. What about you? I don't think I know the answer to this. I certainly am not creative daily. I, I'm not producing or writing or doing creative things on a daily basis. Like I, I do take days off, weeks off, etc. But I really feel like since 2020, when I started rom com pods, like I've been, I've just been kind of like chain smoking projects. What word am I looking for? <laughs> kind it's of. Not I mean, chain it's, smoking.
1: It's not. You're not wrong. <laughs>
0: That's not the right word for it, but it's the the feeling like a, is ser-
1: a serial a um, serial monogamous, but
0: well, no, but it's like successive, like it's like one after the other.
1: Yeah, I you're like jumping from you're jumping yeah, yeah, from yeah, guy yeah. to guy, but the guys yeah. work.
0: Yeah, and so I haven't, I haven't really like existed in this new creative state, and then just stopped. Like I think about the quote from Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. This is paraphrasing it I'm sure I'm not going to get it exactly but she she has this quote in there something about if I'm not actively creative some creating something I'm destroying something whether it's a relationship Mm -hmm. or myself or my sanity or something and I I really like the sound of that that sounds like very romantic and and cool but I I don't know that I have tested the theory
1: that I love that quote I have a quote from big magic in my creativity journal too I think it's the one I've, I've mentioned on here before. It's the measure your worth by your commitment to your own path or something like that. Yes. Yeah. Love that.
0: Yeah.
1: Has rejection ever impacted your creative process? I saw this question. I was Googling around for some discussion points about creativity and I was like, I love this.
0: um No, it hasn't. And I feel like as a result of that, I am very much living in fear of that <laughs> happening. <laughs> Um, I think that I have been extremely lucky and obviously that comes with an extreme amount of privilege too. Um, but I have not faced a ton of rejection. I didn't go into the query process, the traditional query process of finding an agent. Um, my agent found me, we took my book on submission. It was largely a very positive process. Um, like I have felt supported throughout my whole professional creative journey. And then outside of that, obviously like, I don't know. My mom didn't judge the drawing contests, but like I never felt rejected. Like all of my creativity was. I, what about know, like when
1: you biggest, didn't get the solo?
0: I know. I was going to say, like, the biggest creative rejection <laughs> I've had is getting a shitty role in Bye Bye Birdie and being unnamed adult number five with no lines, <laughs> which I was salty about. I was really salty about. And I, and I don't think I'm someone who deals particularly well with, with rejection. So I feel like I, in some ways, like, know that this is coming. And that it will touch me because I think it's impossible to I, – I think it's impossible to be creative professionally and not face some level of rejection. Mm-hmm. But because it hasn't happened to me, I'm, like, walking on eggshells and I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's going to ha- – when is it going to happen? <laughs> like, I yeah. don't know. What about you? Um, I mean,
1: <laughs> this sounds kind of stupid, but, I mean, I've talked about it before and I feel like i am kind of dealt with it and moved through it. But – When I used to be, like, obsessed with reading these influencer snark blogs, you know, they talk about a bunch of people. And, of course, I only mostly focused on the things about myself because, you know, I'm a human being. But some of it, a lot of it was good. And then occasionally there'd be really horrible things. And it, like, devastated me, like, impacted me so deep in my soul and... Essentially, it was like it felt like a rejection of me as a human being. <laughs> you know, like
0: well, I feel like it's also specifically hard when they like you, and then all of a sudden they don't like you, and you're like, "What? Right. What did right. I do and to lose confidence here?"
1: Yeah, and so and it was about things like I was posting too many links, right? You know, I was writing a book because I had nothing better to do, or like whatever, just things that like are not that big of a deal in the grand scheme of things. And I'm sure they've said much worse about many, many other people. Um, but it really forced me to be like, okay, you really have to like what you're doing and like who you are, <laughs> because if, if how you feel about yourself or your work or what you're creating is so quickly impacted from positive or negative feedback, then it's just, it's, it's not going to be sustainable. <laughs> like it is too distracting <laughs> to live and die by that stuff. And I really felt like I was like, I'd post something and then go check, which is embarrassing now, but (laughs) or it was embarrassing then, I guess. Now I've just sort of like worked through it. But I think it just kind of made me really aware that like with writing and being creative, like I have to do it because I love it, because there are going to be people that hate it, that hate me, that think a million things that are or are not true, whatever. And so I wanted to be able to do it every day without all of that informing it being my motivation either way, I guess. So, I mean, it feels kind of silly, but it really did has informed my creative process a lot. Let's take an ad break. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. One of my least favorite feelings in the world is uncertainty. As we all get older, decisions get more and more intense Everything seems like it has huge consequences for both our own lives and the lives of those around us. It can feel daunting to move forward in any particular direction sometimes. In my most uncertain times, therapy has been the thing that's helped me feel confident about making a decision.
0: If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge.
1: In the past, therapy has given me the opportunity to voice every worst case scenario that I've gone through in my head, and there are always a lot of them, trust me, and work through them rationally rather than spiral. Honestly, even if therapy had no other benefits than just this one, it would be worth it for me. But the truth is that the benefits of therapy are actually endless, no matter how big or small your problems may seem to you.
0: Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash BatOnPaper today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash BatOnPaper. If you could interview a creative person, past or present, who would that person be and why? Oh, I feel like you're going to have such a smart answer. I'm going to have such a dumb one.
1: No, I actually... I didn't think about this one beforehand. So first first person in my brain is Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Okay. <laughs> Which I think I've said before on here, but I find her very fascinating and so talented and just an incredible writer. So that was the first thing that came to mind. I feel like I could have come up with something better, but what about you?
0: I feel like mine would 100% be Shonda Rhimes. I... <laughs> I'm obsessed Everyone with Everyone listening Rimes. is like, give
1: us something new, guys. So I
0: know. Worries. I just, <laughs> I cannot. <laughs> I'm, Shonda Rams pays me and I have to mention her at least once an episode. Um, the Dark Secret. No, I'm kidding. Um, Shonda Rams, the creator of Grey's Anatomy and Scandal and like just very prolific TV writer. Uh, she also wrote The Princess Diaries, which I feel like is a little known oh, fact. I
1: did not know that.
0: Yep. Yep. But, well, it was based off of a book, but she wrote the screenplay for it. Yeah. I'm like so fascinated by her and I'm also so fascinated by her creating so many things that are so successful, but also creating so many things. Like I think, you know, Grey's Anatomy, it's a procedural show and it's like, how do you keep that interesting? How do you like, th- that is like, I don't know if it's the longest running show, but it's one of the longest running shows on television. And I think there's something really fascinating about keeping a creative spark and like keeping something alive for that long that I'm really interested yeah. in. I'm interested in, I think she has an interesting business sense. Like I, I she doesn't strike me as somebody who's just like that often left field chasing the butterflies creative person, which I feel like I'm too practical to necessarily relate to those types of people sometimes. And so I'm just, I'm really fascinated by Shonda Rhimes' career trajectory. And like, she has a type of creativity that like I admire and I feel like I want to emulate in some ways. I don't know.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great choice.
0: I would also love to get drunk. They're drunk, too. And talk to like Colleen Hoover or Emily Henry off the record. Like, so, like an author who's oh, like yeah. had like a lot of success mm-hmm. and like really get into it. I honestly would talk to any author. I just yeah, love
1: too. I love listening to writers talk. <laughs> like it's. I listened to the oh my god I'm literally a broken record but the writer's routine episode with Ruth Ware like is my like bedtime like soundtrack now I'm just like let me just hear again where you sit in your fancy chair and write your books Um, I love it have you ever doubted your creativity
0: every day literally (laughs) not a day goes by (gasps) is that the wrong answer
1: have you no um i have every single day doubted that it will ever impact or be meaningful to anyone other than myself yes <laughs> like literally every time i write an essay every single week i'm like this is the one where literally no one can relate <laughs> and i am just out here writing for myself but I guess that's kind of the point. Like I still do it <laughs> and usually people can relate. At least some people can, but no, like literally every time I'm like, well, at least I will get it if no one else.
0: Um. Well, that's an interesting thing. What do you, what do you want to accomplish through creativity? Like what's the best case scenario with things you create?
1: Hmm. Let me think about this one. I feel like primarily writing for me is like being creative is very selfish. Like I'm always just like experiencing a feeling and I'm like, well, I would like to feel differently about this or I would like to understand this better. And fiction is like that as well, I think, just in a different format. But I think secondary is like I want someone out there to be like I've had that feeling and I've never been able to think of it that way or describe it that way. And thirdly, I also would like if occasionally I make people cry, like mm. <laughs> I just feel like when writing or something creative moves me to tears, like that's a pretty incredible thing. And I would always love for that to be um, the case or laugh. Honestly, laughter is just as impactful when someone's like, that was really funny or anything like that. What about you?
0: I have a range of answers. Of varying levels of realisticness. I mean, what's the best case scenario with things you create? Winning. What does that mean? Who knows. <laughs> but like, there I mean, is that part of me that's like <laughs> New York Times bestseller list, or right. I don't know, Morris. writing like the in- impeach unimpeachably best book of all time. Whatever that I w- means. I don't know. <laughs> I want to
1: do. I want to do like a teaser for this podcast, and it's like. What do you hope to achieve through writing or whatever? And I'm like, well, laughter or crying and Becca's like winning. Yeah. I also want to to be successful and make money, to be clear.
0: Yeah, but it's like it isn't that for me. This is not something I should be talking about on air, it's something I should be talking about in therapy. Like
1: uh, Well, one in the same.
0: It's like singularly winning. And I, and there's no way to do that. Like, it's an impossible goal. Like, what is enough? I don't know. So Winning that's books. the darkest, brokenest part of my brain. On a realistic level, what do I want to accomplish? I think it is connection. It's people saying, I saw myself in this. I related to this. I laughed at this. I cried at well, this. Well,
1: I read the dedication for your book. I thought that was very moving.
0: Thank you. And I think, like, a realistic best case scenario that is not winning. Oh my gosh, you know what? I would die to see somebody, not somebody who does it because they're listening to this podcast and I said that I would die over this, but like just like somebody in the wild, somebody who, who's never listened to this podcast, just like somebody totally d- disconnected from me to see somebody like highlight and tab my book. Oh my God, chills.
1: I, yeah, I, that would be, That I actually fantasize about that. Someone being like this sentence. Unreal. (laughs) That's all I want in my life. (laughs) I get that completely. So
0: I don't know that I have healthy answers to this question. No, I think, I
1: mean, I think you kind of made me think my more realistic but also unrealistic answer is I would like to make like this creative outlet be how I earn a living for a very long time, which is like a very big yeah, unrealistic goal, perhaps. <laughs> but yeah, do you ever wish you had a creative outlet, like running a paint by numbers or whatever it is that?
0: <laughs> color me mine. You know, Call it by its name.
1: Sorry, color me mine. <laughs> that was um, outside of your career because now, now you're an author. It's it's your entire career.
0: Not right now. I I don't feel like I. I feel like I'm putting, leaving it all out in the field with writing. I like don't feel super strongly that I like now also want to take up painting or like whatever other creative hobby. Gardening is creative. Yeah. Gardening is creative. I don't have space for a garden. (laughs) At some point in the future, I anticipate that yes, I will because it will be too much pressure to have all of that on writing or writing will become fraught in some way because of rejection or because of who knows what. And so, like, I do anticipate that I, like, would want another creative outlet in the future. But right now, no. Okay. What about you?
1: I feel like the more creative things I could be doing, the happier I would probably be (laughs) in my Mm -hmm. life. Whether it's, like, coloring in a coloring book or gardening or even just, like, getting dressed every day. Like, I notice a huge impact in my just, like, being when I... When I'm not getting dressed every day, like when I'm not putting together an outfit, I'm just throwing clothes on because I find fashion like very creative as well. But yeah, I mean, I hope I have more of it in my life.
0: Are there other creative pursuits you're interested in exploring that like are not currently on your docket?
1: I I don't know. I think it, they all intimidate me on some level. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I feel like right now the only things I have space for are like the house stuff writing, coloring books, and then occasional gardening. Okay. But I don't know. Maybe there's something else out there for me. What about you?
0: I have this vision of taking an in-person painting class. You should. I I feel like I want to do that at some point. I feel like, I mean, I have... I have a lot of hangups around messiness with regards to creative (laughs) hobbies. Like I would never want to do pottery too messy. Don't want the clay behind my nails. Like in terms of painting in my own home, I'm like, oh my God, it's going to get on the carpet. Like it it either needs to have a room or I'm doing it somewhere else. Like it it, it is a weird.
1: Maybe you should draw again. Mm -hmm. Do a new drawing class or something.
0: I don't want to do that. I want to paint, but I want to do it in a space that is designated for it. Or outside of my house. No, not in a hazmat suit. I don't mind getting a little messy, but like, I don't, I'm like, I'm like, oh, get on the floor. That would be so annoying. And then I would have to clean the brushes at home. So I'm like, I'm going to a class somewhere. I'm like going to wherever and taking my painting class.
1: I do regularly kind of like fantasize about taking a class again because Mm. I really miss like sitting down in a classroom, having my little pencil pouch and just, like, taking notes or, like, listening and (laughs) learning. I don't know. There's something really soothing about it in my brain now.
0: I think there's something also really fulfilling about, like, that um, forced progression, too, of, like, Mm. you're going to start here, and theoretically by the end, you're going to, like, know more than when you started.
1: I would love to take a calligraphy class.
0: Oh, I could see you being so into that.
1: Yeah, I think I'd be bad, but, like, I would think I was good. Because I'd always been the person that, like, when I send letters, it's like... I'm making like a very dramatic um, drawing motion right now. whipping
0: the air basically is how I would describe it.
1: I'm basically wielding a wand over here. Anyway, I think that would be fun.
0: Okay. What is your dream creative day? How does it start? What do you do?
1: Oh. Drink coffee outside in the early morning light. Reading for like at least an hour or two. Uh, then more coffee, breakfast. I don't know. Writing in like a very beautiful location for hours. I feel like I write something good. I don't know. (laughs) And I don't know. Then more reading, maybe watching a movie I like or listening to music. Oh, going on a drive and listening to music, a beautiful night. That's I feel like a very creative experience, even though it involves literally no effort whatsoever. I don't know. I don't feel like that was a good answer. Maybe I'll go to a Color Me Mine class with you <laughs> somewhere in there. I will get second place or fourth or whatever, how many people are in the class. But what, what's your perfect creative day?
0: Well, oh, I feel like this question is a little, it's tripping me up a little because I feel like i ha- I could come up with like this dream creative day, but I actually don't think it would like actually help me to be creative. Like I think the answer is that I need to get a good night's sleep. I need to wake up around eight-ish, and sit down to write between nine and ten, and I need to do it for a couple hours. Have lunch, go for a walk, come back and do more. Like I, I feel like what my daily routine is is like what is best for my creativity. Because like the, I'm tempted to answer you, and I'm like, well, I like don't set an alarm, and I wake up, and then I have my coffee, and I'm reading, and I'm making a Pinterest board, and then I'm doing, and and I'm like, the real answer is that if I don't start writing before ten, like.
1: It, well yes same it's
0: not not gonna <laughs> go great and then like if I don't start before noon it's not gonna happen yeah so this like, is I, kind
1: of an example of like the thing where I always have these trips where I'm like I'm in this beautiful location I have nothing to do all I need to do is write and it's gonna be wonderful and I never ever get as much done as if it's just my Monday through Friday writing routine <laughs>
0: yeah yeah exactly
1: ever so, so you're probably like, 100% I come correct. Up with
0: just like really I'm like I go to a museum and then I like
1: (laughs) uh, yeah I don't know yeah well I mean maybe that's the point I mean I think what I used to think a creative life is is that creative dream day Mm -hmm. and in reality it's more like doing the work every day taking breaks from it coming back to it even when it sucks going away from it like it's not like drinking coffee in the garden for six hours while you read and then writing something miraculous, even though, like, you know, that is my dream (laughs) creative day. Yeah, Your dream is is that it happens,
0: that, like, it just, like, then the bolt strikes you, not that that actually is. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: Exactly. What do you think is one major misconception about creativity? Because I think there are probably a lot.
0: Okay. I think it ties into the last question, and I think that people think it is this, like, divine inspiration, sitting in a coffee shop thing. And I I think the more I learn through doing, it's also about discipline and it's about sitting down when you don't want to. And it's about doing it every day so that like you're there when the creativity comes and you're like primed for it, doing it when it sucks, doing it when you don't want to. Like so much of it is discipline.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I think, yeah, like I just – I don't think it's as much like that divine inspiration like, the spirit is holding my hand as I write as, like, you want to believe it is. And I feel like mm-hmm. I get a lot of questions on Instagram and Q&As and, and stuff. And I I completely feel this urge, too, of, like, I feel like a lot of the questions, like, the question behind the question is, like, where is the easy button? How do I make this hard thing easy? And, like, the answer is, like, it is hard. Like, it's hard. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, it takes a long time and you have to be committed to it. And, like. Yeah. I don't know. What what do you think is the biggest misconception?
1: I think that you have to know what you're doing.
0: <laughs> oh, that's a good one. That's a really good one.
1: I was just talking to my mom about this yesterday and she was like, I don't know. I still might write a book. She's like, but I don't know. I think I'd have to like take a class or something. And I'm like, well, why don't you just start with writing something? <laughs> like, You know, you could just write 50 words every day of mm-hmm. nothing. Like you could write a sentence every day. Like I think like you were saying, it's more important that you're just doing it every day. You're not necessarily thinking of, you're thinking of the end product maybe, but like it, it doesn't have to be something that you're like, I have this inherent God-given what or whatever you believe in skill and I'm just going to start doing it and I'm going to be like, this is what I'm meant to do. <laughs> like, yeah. I think that you can just do it because – you enjoy doing it. And that doesn't mean it won't be hard because it will. Yeah. It doesn't have to be that complicated.
0: Oh, I like that answer. It's a great answer. Last question. What do you want your relationship with creativity to look like in 10 years or 20 years or 30 years? And how do you want it to grow or evolve?
1: I think I have two goals. My first one is just like I don't know what my life or career will look like, but if I can if the majority of it can be writing, I will be happy. <laughs> so that's that's my main goal. And this is kind of a secondary goal, but if I were to have children, I would like to like encourage them in creative fields as much as I think my generation was encouraged to make money. <laughs> Not that those things can be mutually exclusive, of course, but
0: Yeah. Can I ask you a side question that I'm not sure you'll want to answer? Do -hmm. you have any concerns about, like, if you were to have children, about, like, maintaining creativity alongside, like, the administrative labor and, like, of taking care of children?
1: Yes. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Like, literally, it's my main fear, I think. Oh, okay. Well, not, like, in sort of a productivity sense, but in a, like, it would change who I am. Kind yeah. of way. And it would make me like this idea that people are like, it's going to be your whole world, I think is really horrifying be- yeah. because, like, if that's the case, then like these other things that feel like so important and vital to me, like writing, are then going to be secondary and lesser. And maybe that's noble or whatever, but yeah. like I'd like that it is that way. Yeah. So I find it very terrifying. And that's why I think that essay. The ghost ship. What I can't remember exactly the title. The ghost ship, whatever, by Cheryl Strayed. The Dear Sugars essay is really important to me because it's about that choice of having kids and what you lose and what you gain. Um. But yeah, I uh, I do think that. But I also think that any change or challenging thing I've gone through in my life, and I say this as someone who like really isn't sure what the kids situation is going to be uh, for me, but. Any big change, as challenging as it may have been, has always made me more creative. So, I would hope to take comfort in that and find the time or make the time. But honestly, it's terrifying. So, I don't know. But what about you? What do you want your relationship with creativity to look like in ten years or twenty years or thirty years? Other than Um, being the best, (laughs) I'm going to need to deal. Other than other than winning at it, I'm
0: going to need to deal with that one. I think two things. I think the first thing is being able to continue to support myself in the lifestyle I am accustomed to living through creativity. Like I don't want to have to mm-hmm. cut my expenses in order to continue to live creatively. Not that that's what I'm doing now, but like I don't want to have to choose between those two things. Right. Like I want a comfortable life and creativity to support it, which is a huge ask. Like that's like very greedy, but I'm telling that's the truth. And the second thing is I I want to have more trust in the process. I feel like I just keep having such a fraught relationship of like, this will fall apart or I won't, I won't be able to make this good or something. And I want to have more trust in the process. And I think part of it is having trust in the process, but part of that is also having like, I want to trust my creativity. But then on the other side, there is a practical application of that where it's like, maybe it's that I have a book earning royalties. So like I if the book that I'm working on doesn't work out, like it's fine. So it's like mm-hmm. part of it is constructing a safety net, but then part of it is also just like trusting the process.
1: Yeah. I love that. It's hard to do.
0: <laughs> it is hard. And I feel like I create so much of my own anxiety by not trusting the process. And I wish I had just had like a lighter experience that like I'm having this experience this week where I I've, like, kind of just been working and reworking on this draft of this book that I'm writing, and, like, I'm, like, it's just not clicking, and I came up with an idea, and now I'm, like, oh, I think it is working, and I'm, like, if I could have saved myself the ang- all the anxiety of the past three drafts and all of the negative self-talk, because it was going to come together anyway, like, that would be lovely.
1: Yeah. I so. was having a tough work moment this week myself, actually, and I kept thinking about our conversation with Annabelle Monahan and... I don't know. I just had this moment where I was like, it really sucks right now, but there's going to be a point where it clicks and that will feel really good. <laughs> and for also, some reason, in the moment, it really helped me.
0: Also, when she was saying that she has a sense of curiosity about when things aren't going well of like, oh, how are we going to get out of this one? Like, I wish I had that perspective yeah. or that lightness.
1: Yeah, because you will get through it. Like it's unless you like just throw up your hands and you're like, I'm done.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
1: like I'm, I'm done with this whole career,
0: <laughs> which is really funny that I, I have so much anxiety around creativity, whereas I don't feel like I have as much anxiety in other aspects of my life. It's just like all – it's like all on there.
1: Do you think because it's like more vulnerable, like it's –
0: Yeah. Yeah. Feelings yeah. related? Yeah. yeah, I think so. Well,
1: I'll check in in another creativity episode in
0: 2033. Can't wait. <laughs> Olivia, let us get into some end matter because I am very curious about what your obsession is.
1: Oh yes, I feel like a different human being. <laughs> my, huh.
0: my uh, I, my opinion
1: on this thing has changed. So my obsession is Josie B ASMR, which <laughs> it's this person who does ASMR on YouTube and TikTok. I found them on TikTok. And they do these like, oh my god! I, like, if I would have heard this from myself like six months ago, I'd be like, "What is what is Olivia's mental state? <laughs> like, this is not good." But so they do these videos that are like role play ASMR, <laughs> but it's not what it sounds like. So this one I saw that I first became entranced with Josie is like running a mermaid,
0: <laughs> can't,
1: running a mermaid themed spa, and. Anyway, so they do these like layered sounds. So it's like tapping, but it's also like makeup application. Like they're looking at the camera. You feel like they're applying makeup to you or like doing skincare on you. It is really, really weird. Do not get me wrong. I feel like a total weirdo watching this. But they have like an hour long like... Josie B does your makeup, does your skincare, like pampers you for a night of relaxation on YouTube. And I have my noise canceling headphones. And let me just tell you, it is like I have I have taken a Xanax or something. It is so weirdly relaxing. I, I love it. I love it. I'm a changed person. I was always like ASMR is weird as hell. But now I'm like, I'm I'm with you. I'm with you ASMR
0: people. I think I'm more with old Olivia, but I got it. I have to go <laughs> see because I I do not think I am picturing this in any way correctly.
1: It's really weird. Jake finds it terrifying. But um, it's if you listen to it with your noise cancelling headphones, if you're like in the dark, you just kind of like ease into it. I started on TikTok and now I'm on the hour long videos. So I don't know.
0: OK, maybe next week I'll do the. I'm just I'll do oh, wow. The this, is this is an ASMR podcast. WordPress. now. Great.
1: <laughs> I'm tapping on the. Okay, I'm done. All right. What's your obsession?
0: Um, Mine is a new seltzer flavor. For my Christmas and July party, I ordered Instacart from Wegmans, which is not in walking distance. So I I don't usually get Wegmans.
1: Love Wegmans.
0: And I got their cherry vanilla seltzer. They're like house brand. It's great. I think the secret is that I like anything that's anything slash vanilla seltzer.
1: I have not tried this flavor, but I am a Wegmans stan if you will. Hmm. Wegmans is the best. Hmm. I'm happy for
0: you. Uh, What about reading? I've seen you out of that pool. (laughs) Yes,
1: I was at the pool yesterday. So I finished two books. Um, One is Banyan Moon by Tao Tai. And I loved this book so much. This is about Three generations of women and the youngest one uh, finds out that she is pregnant right after she finds out that her boyfriend has betrayed her or, or might not be right after, but around the same time. And so she moves back home to Florida and moves in with her estranged mother. Her grandmother passes. Anyway, it's, it's just like a multi-generational story that spans decades. And it's really beautiful. And I really, really loved it. And the second one I read, yeah, it was, I really recommend it. The second one I read was Midnight is the Darkest Hour by Ashley Winstead. This one comes out in October and this is a wild ride. (laughs) I just, I don't know what I was expecting, but oh my gosh, this is, there's so much in this. This is about sort of two town misfits. One of whom is the preacher's daughter. This is in like a bayou town in Louisiana, I think. It's sort of a story about, it's a story about murder. So I'll just say that. I don't want to give anything away because I want people to go into this blind and just appreciate the spookiness. But I also really want to add that if you grew up and read Twilight, you need to read this.
0: Could I read this or would it be too much for me?
1: It's too much for you, probably. Okay. It is dark. Okay. 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 <laughs> I'm sorry, but the writing is really beautiful. And the ending is like, I'm still thinking about it. Anyway, it comes out in October. Perfect spooky season read. Becca, what have you
0: read? I read probably like the most left field, unexpected thing I've ever brought to this podcast. I read uh, 1982's nonfiction, Edie, an American Girl by Jean Stein. I have always. Is this been... American
1: Girl doll theme?
0: No. No, it's about Edie Sedgwick, who was one of Andy Warhol's muses. And I've always been fascinated by Andy Warhol and, like, that whole culture around the factory. I read this. I, I am a documented serial nonfiction abandoner. I sucked this down. It does start a little slow, but once you're into it, it's great. It's an oral history. The woman who wrote it interviewed so many different people from Edie's life. I truly, like, what I would compare it to is Daisy Jones and the Six, but it's completely real. Oh, wow. It gets, I mean, it gets incredibly dark, but it's about Edie Sedgwick, who is a real person who's now deceased. She was very much part of, like, that factory scene. She was Andy Warhol's Girl of the Year in 1965, and she was kind of this, like, model slash muse she also had uh an incredibly toxic seeming addiction to amphetamines that like it goes very deep into um, she has a fascinating and very fucked up family i i was like riveted by this
1: oh i've never heard of this clearly hence my question about american girl dolls but it sounds really interesting
0: it was great it was great and because it was an oral history like there's chapters, like it's organized, but like there is also like little sections and like the sections are pretty small. So it was like, it felt very bite-sized. Like there was very much, I was just like, oh, just a few more, just a few more.
1: Yeah. And it was so
0: interesting to be told this way because you got so many different perspectives on the same events or on different people and on her.
1: Like Daisy Jones. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, if those don't interest you, be sure to check out August book club pick, which is family lore by Elizabeth Acevedo. We'll be talking about that last episode of the month and if you want to talk about any of this in the Facebook group it's Battle on paper podcast or Battle on paper podcast on Instagram I'm at Olivia Mentor on
0: Instagram I just want to say this whole episode felt very cathartic to me
1: it was I'm on very Instagram nice.
0: yeah it was very nice I'm on Instagram at Becca M Freeman and you can pre-order my debut novel the Christmas Orphans Club which is the book of my heart and comes out september 26th Then, if you would like to support my creativity in any way please pre-order it do that you won't regret it thank you
1: all right off to the mermaid spa bye everyone i'm off to paint something or i don't know color in my coloring book okay bye (laughs)